Welcome back to another episode of the First Issue Club, the weekly podcast that helps aid you through the muddy, murky waters of the comic book landscape. I am Greg Ligtai, one of your co-hosts. With me, as always, is Michael DeStacy. Hi. And Michael Russo, a.k.a. The Budget King. Hey, it's me. Uh, Today on the show, we are covering Commanders in Crisis and Rorschach, but before that, we do what we gotta do, tackle the comic book news. The first thing we wanted to talk about was how busy the comic book industry is keeping Peach Momoko. If you bought stock in Peach Momoko a year ago when it was $1, yeah. it is now $10 million a share. Sell, sell, sell. She is on fire. How many covers did she have just this week alone? She did five different covers this week. That's not even including that some of her covers were also virgin covers. Yeah, if you include all of the virgins and variations, there were 15 covers in total. So you're like talking about dynamite. So <laughs> the dynamite method. Wait, yeah. Because dynamite does like 40 additional covers of each Peach Romoco <laughs> well, okay, cover. What, what's funny about this is one of her covers was Di- Dynamite. So it's like the death of the dynamite world. Couldn't happen sooner. <laughs> yeah, please end it. When all you do is covers, that's a lot. That's yes. a lot of work. Yes. And every single week she's got more and more stuff. And there's a lot of comic book shops, at least the ones that I frequent, that have her books on the shelf with stickers on them that say at least $10 or more. Yep, the mm-hmm. New Mutants one. 10 bucks in our store. Yeah. Nowadays you have to be knowledgeable if you're a comic book shop owner of these comics because you're able to sell them at an accelerated rate. That's how I go shopping, really. Mm -hmm. If I go into a shop and it's not pre-bagged or boarded, it's garbage to me. Yes. I have to have the most exclusive color. When I buy buy my new Wranglers, I say, how many of these exist? (laughs) Is there going to be anybody else wearing these Wranglers? (laughs) How many of these Levi jeans? All right, do you think that the buzz on her comics is because people love, love, love the art or because... They've seen so many of them sell on eBay for high amounts of money that they're like, oh, why not buy that one? I think that it is a circular Yeah, one one feeds the other. Yeah, It's the snake eating its own tail situation. Uh I mean, her artwork, there's a reason why she's very popular right now. It's beautiful. It's like a watercolor, colored pencil style, uh, very soft pastel. It's it's stunning. When you're looking through the lineup of artists and covers for the week, I mean – Hers just smash out at you. It looks yeah. like a Scotty Young. There's it's a handful a, of artists that, like that. That's exactly right, though. I mean, it's that kind of uh, style that you just instantly pick out from the shelf. And the hype for Scotty Young was just as hype five or so, six years ago, I think, that there was a while when his covers would come out. Yeah. They would get bagged and boarded immediately, and people would sell them for 10 apiece. And now they've overdone it. But we're, yes. I mean, we're still experiencing Scotty Young fatigue. Exactly right. Like People want a Scotty Young as much as they want an action figure cover. At this point, those <laughs> <laughs> fucking action figure covers. It's kind of now part of the PR method. Is just throw a Peach Momoko cover on it. Yeah, it'll get more attention. And I can, I have this uncanny ability where I can look into the soul of creators. Oh, and I can get a vibe for them. Yeah, and I can tell Peach is one of us. Okay, she has the same essence, the same energy as we do. Mm-hmm. She, just, which is, hold on, which is. <laughs> Uh, it just reeks of like uh, p- 
punk rock professionalism. Okay. If you had to pinpoint what color her aura <laughs> was. Ooh, that's great. So ours is dull red. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then hers shines because she's made it. Yeah, she has made it. Yeah. One day Peach will be on this show. She'll be talking to us and she'll say the same thing back to us. Yes. I sense we are the same. <laughs> Peach, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on. We would love to have you describe what our auras are. <laughs> What else is in the news? Interesting thing. You know, we're talking about covers and hotness in comics. Well, if you put your comics on eBay, you can get a pretty penny for them. But for some reason, if you get your comics graded and they're below 9.8, let's say even 9.4 or Mm 9.6, it seems like the comic book community (laughs) has dubbed... Would would rather save toilet paper with feces <laughs> on it than a 9.4 graded comic book. Which, if you're buying something ungraded, chances are it's not going to be a 9.8, right? No. There's and a 100% chance it's not. Yeah, and it's like, what's the big difference between having a 9.8 and a 9.6? It's the same difference between having a Toyota Camry in your garage or a Ferrari. It's that big oh, yeah, of a yeah. leap between comic The books. comic book industry thinks that anything below a 9.8 is garbage. I mean, the prices on eBay are staggering how much they drop off. And here's the thing. I 100% understand that when we're talking about giant size. X-Men number one. But people will buy a six on that. So people will pay a lot for a six on that, right? Yeah. Let's say I buy a 9.4 of that. There's mm. probably not that many of those in existence. A 9.8, oh, my God, less than 10. Right. It's like it goes up incrementally because of the rarity of it. Now, if I get a brand new book slabbed that's, like, hot and buzzing right now, fucking tons of people are getting those slabbed. So Commanders in Crisis on Image that we're covering today is going to have hundreds of 9.8s in circulation. Right. Why is that $50, $60 more than a 9.6? I love getting a nice 8.9, a 9.2, because I just am like, you fucking suckers. All of my comics are around an 8.9. How, <laughs> pissed, how pissed off are you if you're a scalper and selling on eBay and a book comes back as a 9.4? It's not even worth going through the grading process. That's like $30 fucking dollars to get a book graded. Yeah. And people are going to be like, uh, I'll give you 25 bucks. And it's just like, I'm losing money here. I'm losing money. Here's the here's so, the moral of the story. Don't get your books fucking graded. Sell them I raw. Think so yeah, I think sell them raw. There there was a guy who would at big magic conferences. If you wanted to dump your rares, he would give you a quarter for them all. It might have even been like ten cents or something like that, like something insane. But people were just dumping boxes of rares on him, like he was a coin machine. <laughs> Like a coin star. Yes, like a coin star. I want to be the coin star of below 9.8s. I'll give you a dollar for everything you got below 9.8. Give me your garbage. It sustains me. We started, I I didn't keep up with it, but we started an Instagram account called Bad Slabs. Yeah. And we were just going to post like the dumb things people got slabbed because you will see like Nighthawk number one at like a seven. Slapped <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> it's like, okay, everyone and their fucking mother had 
that yeah. comic in the 90s. Right. And there's billions of them in circulation. You have one that's not even in decent shape, and you paid to get it slabbed? Right. Why? That's like paying someone to smack you in the face. I just thought it was so funny that people do this shit. Yeah. I, I, I recently got one. I recently got a bad slab. I won a comic book um, raffle. Yeah. And I got a book that was a 3.5, <laughs> and it's a book from 1949, and it looks like it. And it's just like, who paid to get this slabbed, and why? This book had no significance to anything. Yeah. To anything. It was like some fucking <laughs> bumpkin book. I don't know what the fuck it was even called that right now. And now it's a 3.5. It's a 3.5. I have to figure out a place to hang it. <laughs> I think people get addicted to it. I think it's like chasing the high. Yeah, right. Have you ever seen a gym comic? A 10? Not in person. (laughs) On eBay, yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Like that, like so uh, unobtainable on eBay. Unobtainium avatar. (laughs) It's like, uh, thank you for the reference. Uh It's like a a 10 on eBay is like got to be like $5,000 for any book. I've heard that you slip a $100 bill with the comic book. Bullshit! You just put it in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It it's it's so political though. At the point that you're gonna get a nine point eight between a ten, like that's that's an arbitrary canyon of a difference. Like it has to just be. I bet the extra hundred dollars that I've heard people do and slip in there is what gets that ten. I want to get a gym ten rating on just the dumbest book imaginable, like Mega Man twelve or some <laughs> shit, like. Just to spite the system. (laughs) We might have talked about this on the show before, but I've always had this idea in my head that if I take a book to get signed Mm -hmm. and have it witnessed and I have the creator like just fucking destroy a comic, Mm -hmm. but it's witnessed by a CGC grader and they're like, okay. (laughs) It was a 9.8. This person is, you know, making art, (laughs) making a statement. With they, need like, a, they need a color for mutilation. With like how they're changing the comic, can I get like a nine point eight or like a gem book that's just like the covers ripped in half because it was done as like no. So like Jason Pollock can't come up and like <laughs> Jackson Pollock. What I say? His brother. Jason, his, his brother. brother. Jason. That's his, well, no, his brother does caricatures. He wasn't as good as Jackson. <laughs> caricatures. <laughs> yeah. So his character, your brother. Yeah. I said it right. You just were thinking of the wrong Pollock. Right. Yeah. 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 Fuck me. I feel like an idiot. <laughs> so like sometimes like his his trademark is he'll smear it. Like he'll keep going too too fast. He'll smear the ink on the caricature. <laughs> All right. Moving on. One of the best things to come out of New York City Comic Con news was that the Modoc trailer dropped, and we got to see a handful of clips from the show. What did you guys think of those? Are you excited for the show? I laughed out loud twice. I am excited for many reasons. One, the voice staffing is solid. Yep. It is co-produced or co-created by one of the co-creators of Robot Chicken, which you can tell in the animation and style of the show. It does have that Adult Swim vibe. And also, one of my favorite comedians is involved with it. Well, two of them are. uh, Ben Schwartz. Yep. And Pat Oswalt. Yep. The two humans I love very, very much, and their comedy is phenomenal. I have high hopes for this. It seems like it's going to be a little bit off-the-cuff humor. Because it's like going to be on Hulu. Yeah. I got a real kick out of how accurate to the comics the AIM outfits and everything were. <laughs> AIM in the comic books, to me, seems like the archetype of dumb, unsuccessful goons. Or like doomed yeah. stormtroopers. Do, you know exactly do you guys know right. what the acronym stands for? Yeah, it stands for Mechanized Organism 
designed only for killing. <laughs> just how like AIM stands for Advanced Idea Mechanics. It's just like those just as wacky as the name. <laughs> those acronyms you just have to know as a nerd. Right. Exactly. We we didn't Google this and then edit out the pauses. No. We well, just, why would we do that? You trust us. You have no reason shit. to not trust us. Oh, exactly. let's let's do this one. Um, so the twenty third president of the United States is Taft <laughs> or Martin Van Buren. The only reason I know the name Martin Van Buren is because of the Monkees, the band the Monkees. MVB. <laughs> Martin Van Buren was the sixth president. I I couldn't tell you. <laughs> One way or the other. I didn't even know he was a president. Taft is the guy who drowned in the tub, right? He didn't drown. <laughs> he got stuck. He got stuck in the okay, tub. Okay, presidents isn't our thing. Eighth, Eighth president. president. Fuck, I was wrong. Eighth. Did you know that from Hamilton? No. So there's an episode of Seinfeld <laughs> where there's a gang called the Van Buren Boys. They're holding up Kramer, and he goes up against a wall, and he goes to put his hands up like, hey, I'm not like holding anything. Like, Hands up. I'm good. And but he's got he's clinching onto something with his finger and his thumb, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, you threw up the eight, like you're 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 down with the Van Buren boys because he was the eighth president." <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> it really was a show about nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now that all that's out of the way, should we get the podcast started? Yes. Podcast commencing. First Issue Club now has a hotline. And that number is 816-200-0014. Sometimes people call it, sometimes people text it. And they leave voicemails. We told them to do that because we want to hear from you about complaints, compliments, and just general questions. So now is the part of the show where we're going to play some of those and just react to them. Hey, First Issue Clubbers, this is 10K Beers. I had a question for you guys. Recently on one of the episodes... I think Mike D. had discussed about how he gets a lot of his comics through previews pre-order, which is also how I tend to get my comics since I live in a rural area. It just made me wonder how the rest of you all tend to get your comics. Um, Thanks for all the content. You guys are the best. I absolutely love the show, and uh, I'll be excited to listen. All righty. Thank you, Tengay Beers, for your question. Like you said, longtime fan. We've actually talked to you many, many times. On the Patreon as well. Hell yeah. Thanks for calling in with a question. Uh, well, we all know that Mike D is a preview boy. I got to get my previews <laughs> orders Little in, preview buddy. boy over here. Here's my thing. I run out of comic books to read about uh, like Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. I've got through everything from my Wednesday poll. And then I turned into a fiend. <laughs> I'm like, more, more content, more. So <laughs> I'm getting into Midtown and seeing, like, what weird variants I want to make sure I get. Mm. I'm looking at their previews and their next week's releases, stuff like that, just so I don't have to roll the dice when I walk into my shop and they don't have some variant I wanted or it's marked up seven more dollars. But otherwise, I do order everything through Previews pull box, so I'm pretty uh, made in the shade by the time I get to my shop on Wednesday. Right on. I am a mixture of all three types of shopping. I I love previews because if you go through previews, you get like 35% off. And yeah. that's just good money management. 
Um, I know what books I like. I know what books I'm consistently reading. So I'll just pick those up through previews. I also follow FOC, Final Order Cutoff, because sometimes in previews, they don't have final cover art for variants. Yeah. And sometimes I like to see what the covers are before I buy them, because sometimes my favorite artist does a real flopper of a, co- of a cover. You know, you know what some of my problem is with Final Order Cutoff and comic book shops hmm. is that you may say, oh, shit, I love cover C. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out cover C is something like Buzzy or Short Run or whatever, first cover appearance of a character. And then you walk into your shop and they've pulled this cover for you and it's 20 fucking dollars. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like... And I feel like I have to buy it because I like asked for it. I like right. requested it. But I'll normally give that stuff back and they get it and they'll sell it on eBay or whatever. Sure. They can't sell it in their store, but um, that always makes me nervous. So I think FOCs online, they don't really jack up the price too terribly much. I've never seen it happen to me. So you're ordering from like online retailers. Online. So you like pay then. Yes. Previews, previews is you pay now. FOC is like kind of like a pre-order situation. You pay when you get it. Yeah. It's like a pull, it's like a digital pull list. Okay. And then the only time I really go into the store, now specifically with COVID and stuff going on, is when I'm like back bin dollar hunting. Yeah. Like that's the thrill of the hunt of just like what did they accidentally put in these bins that is now buzzing or specking that I can reap for way, way less. Yeah. All I try to do is just try to get to the shop as early as possible on Wednesday. <laughs> And just uh, grab what I can. That is so stressful. Chaos, chaos, chaos. I love it. That is like, this way, like. I do feel like an inhuman monster, though. Like, grabbing stuff very quickly. Yeah, exactly. It's not social. That's how shit gets fucking scuffed up in the shop and ripped covers happen. Have you ever eBayed stuff? Like, after, like, I've eBayed stuff in In the the comic book shop. Yes. When they were sold out. I'm like, fuck, guess I'm going straight to eBay for this. God damn it. Yeah, I have done that. And it's worse to buy the day of. Sometimes you do you do the mental math of like, is it better to buy the day of or should I wait a month and see if this goes down? Some books you can't wait a month because it'll actually go higher. Right. Yeah. Like the Hell Horizon number three, which is the first punchline like that. I had it pulled and the fucking shop I was at sold it for me. Sold it for you? Sold it. Like <laughs> said said they weren't able to pull it and then yeah. turned it on eBay. I no longer go to that shop. It happens, man. Fuck them. <laughs> but you know who we don't say fuck you to? 10K Beers. 10K Beers for calling into the First Issue Club hotline. Thanks for supporting us. That's fucking awesome. It is so cool. And if you want to be on the First Issue Club hotline, call 816 200 <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, that's a good question. I think it's just other presidents of the United States. I think you're right. I think it's U.S. president. Okay. Which is a strange flex. <laughs> but in any case, she's brought these people to her Earth to say, okay, you guys are going to help me save the final Earth. That's the the crux of the book, and I wish we would have just gotten to that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys think about like well the story. Was it too complicated? Okay, so here's why I somewhat disagree. I've read this before in Independence where it's like a farce. I kept on thinking they were going to be like, and that's a wrap. And they show you that they're, they're filming a movie <laughs> or something. Or like There's like some type of behind the thing where it's like you thought you were reading a superhero book, but then actually it's about this mouse that lives under the ground of superheroes. So I was kept on waiting for like, how do they pull this back so it's not that? And that they're all presidents was the, was the pullback. Mm-hmm. on it i think and well, that villains from the future can steal abstract concepts such as like greed empathy hope. empathy hope etc right mm-hmm. that is very interesting to me so they killed empathy in this earth and empathy was embodied by a singular person is that right we found out that empathy was dead because a man with like the energy of empathy was in a morgue Yes. A lot of large concepts are being explored here. If I have to remember everything that happened in this issue to enjoy the second issue, I will not like the second issue. (laughs) I can handle, like, the concepts they introduced in the last few pages. But everything leading up to it, I was like, too many characters all at once. I don't want to burst your bubble, but I think the hook was given to us. And what was panned out in this issue is pretty much what it is. Yeah, it's supposed to be feel like an event book that's just starting that you don't need knowledge of. That's the hook. And that, and that confuses me, and I kind of get this moment of clarity about when people like jump into like a Marvel or DC book out of nowhere on a whim, and they're completely confused. I, I get that feeling now. Yeah. Because I feel like I've missed 30 years of books yep. with this story. It almost did itself a disservice because, and I know we keep bringing this book up, but the book that Jeff Lemire wrote, Black Hammer, that's the way you do a book about superheroes that have been around for 30 years and that have multiverses and that have had different stories and different adventures. How that book was laid out was perfect. This seemed like a shotgun blast of (laughs) random timelines that... It don't make sense to anyone but Steve Orlando. It felt like a it felt like a challenge. It was like, can you write an independent book that feels like an ind- that feels like an event book that anybody can jump into? And to be honest, and I think we probably differ on this, I wasn't like if that's the challenge, I was like, he kind of accomplished that. I wasn't that lost. I was definitely entertained. And the fact that they're all presidents, I was kinda like, eh, kinda cool. One compliment I will pay this is the superhero powers of all of the Justice League of whatever they are so inventive is one of the best like writing of powers I, I've seen. Kick-ass medic who doesn't know medicine, love him. <laughs> yes, who talks about surgery like he's an auto mechanic. It's like if the Punisher worked at a minute clinic, <laughs> and he's like, "But I'm learning." Yeah, it's like, I like do, okay, I don't even cool know. Gumption. I don't even know what prize fight like his power is except for that he like loves loves applause he loves to be like yeah like uh crowd appeal he's the most basic superhero except that they made him gay i guess right yeah he's he's a gay like superman 
Yeah. Or Captain America is a better, probably a better comp. Sure. He's not like so invincible, but yeah. Then there's a person who, when they speak an invented word, it changes the construct of history for one day. Is that what it is? It was 24 hours. Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize it was 24 hours. Then there's a person that has a third eye, which gets drained of powers, who I can't tell you what they do. I didn't understand that one. I think they deal with quantum elements of past, present, and future probabilities. And when you get into stuff in words like that, their powers can be whatever the fuck you want them to be because no one wants to dive in to that muck. My big thing with that character was the character design was awesome. Yes. Oh, totally. I loved, like, the crown thing that shaped around the third eye. Awesome character. There was moments in this that I was like, it just did things I haven't seen in comic books. So, like, it might be confusing and we might have knocked it, but it also was, like, super inventive. When they were, like, person that invents words was talking to a friend, and she was like, I keep your greatest secret. And she was like, we don't conceal our identities. Like, (laughs) you don't don't have to keep any secrets. I'm out there. And I was like, I like that. I feel like, um, now now I don't know if this book was pushed back or if it was supposed to come out around November, but it seems a little pointed that it's coming out around election time and it deals with all these very prominent presidential... uh, Prezies, as they are called. Correct, yes. Correct term, I, I... I forgot it. Um, it just seemed a little too on the nose for me. And, like, some of the, the wording was just like, okay, I get it. Like, you want us to vote? <laughs> cool. The thing with them being presidents, if I can just for a second. Please, please, do. God damn it, expand on this. Oh, did you guys get it? Commander in chief? Like, commander in crisis? Yeah. I just now got that. <laughs> See okay. what I'm talking about? On the nose. <laughs> okay, now mind blown. Mine's blown or deflated? Uh, both, yes. I'm in depends on what multiverse you're talking about. Gotcha. Well, the design for everything's very like stars and stripes, like red, white, and blue too. Mm-hmm. Okay, the presidents, all gorgeous, very attractive, all about twenty five <laughs> years old. <laughs> Why couldn't we get one of those? Okay, so here's the thing. So current Earth president. If you don't know, in, a, in like our time or the book, the book. Okay. Oh, I was gonna say I. We might want to tell them about our our actual Earth president. Why would I refer to <laughs> Donald Trump as current Earth president? Okay, the president in the comic sure says she was president a lifetime ago. She was the first female president in that universe. But is no longer president. Right. She is like slapping bod in her 20s. <laughs> was she president when she was 14 years old? Like, that's what's not making sense to me. She would have served a term of, like, four years, and she still looks like she's in her 20s. And she's the one who's bringing all of these multiverses together to her universe. Uber genius. So she's, like, orchestrating this. She's like the Iron Man of this. uh... Okay, and part of, like, what the Iron Man conundrum, like, he's so smart he can do anything, Mm -hmm. ruins comics a lot for me. Because no matter what, there's some trick in his suit that mm-hmm. is going to solve the problem at hand. Yeah, the Batman belt. And it's like, oh, the guy that was killed, she puts a little robot spider on him, and then he shrinks 
into a pill capsule that she puts in her pocket and then she shoots ooze at the ceiling and flies out of the ceiling. She can do anything. Yes. Yes. I think I had my expectations set really high because this was like, man, a new superhero team is coming out on Image. We haven't seen something like this since Wildstorm or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, Image doesn't do big-time superhero teams enough. I get it. And they wanted to skip the origin part. Because people are just like, oh, people get bogged down with that. However, you're giving me the 12th book in the Wheel of Time series, and I have no idea who the fuck these people are, and I do not care about them. Great reference, by the way. So I'm going to read you guys a sentence, and I want you to just say true or untrue then. Is it the one by Dan Dido, who is fired recently from DC? (laughs) Go right ahead. Yes, it is from him. Blinded. He talks He talks a lot about DC. This should be like a thing when you're like not a Catholic priest. You can't call yourself a priest anymore. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't be able to talk about DC anymore. <laughs> At a time when we're all locked away in our homes, it's great to find a tale that takes us outside of the confines of our lives and imaginations. Uh, like every comic. Yeah. And then uh, one thing is for sure. This is what I want you to say, true or false. Once you read this series, nothing will ever be the same. False. <laughs> okay, but it's not the creator of the comic saying that it's the best thing ever made. Right, so I give it a pass. That's okay. fine. Okay. Yeah, that's whoever, fine. If you've asked someone to write the foreword to your book, they're going to like go, they're gonna gush. go ham. They're going to yeah, pour plenty of baby powder on it before they I wipe been like, it up and down. Tone, yes. tone that down a little bit. Like I'm not changing lives here. I'm writing a 17-page a color book. So okay, you, you we, guys we, shit on this comic book, and it it did some interesting things. Okay, I want to be clear. I want to be clear. I did not shit on this book. There's okay. a lot of possibility here. It was like Mike said at the front, too confusing, too complicated. Like this could have been streamlined 80 percent, and it would have made a lot more sense. I, and I actually don't mind the whole like giant size X Men number one. Here's each character. Yeah three pages on their origin and then now they're a team like given that's kind of an old style Mm -hmm. of writing comic books but even still what it does is give me some sort of bearing they both killed (laughs) empathy in this comic book and did not develop empathy for their characters oh and guess what how was he killed vampires Vampires. vamps philly philly vampires the worst kind Right, and now we're going to cover Rorschach from DC Black Label, writer Tom King, artist George Forness. This is Black Label. This is DC Black Label. It wasn't oversized, so I was... It wasn't a fat boy. It wasn't a fat boy. So you wouldn't know firsthand or off the off the dome if it was a Black Label. Okay. You may be surprised Strange Adventures is also Black Label. Oh, You know I how am. you can often tell? Is that if something has like a nice cardstock cover and spot gloss on it, Oh, probably uh, black label. That's where all the money's going. So Rorschach was a character in a little-known book called Watchmen. Well, hey, soon to be well, little-known. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What's crossover? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I have a bit. I'm going to roll this bit. <laughs> okay. Rorschach in a little-known comic book called Watchmen, which went primarily undetected for 30 years until Zack Snyder decided... <laughs> 
to make a movie about it. And now everyone in the fucking universe has to get their jollies off to the Watchmen universe. It was bad enough that there's a movie. It was even worse off enough that Doomsday Clock existed. Doomsday Clock was bad. Now, why? I ask you, friends of the show and friends in the studio, why does this book exist? I have this issue every time there's another thing that takes place in the Watchmen universe. I feel like if you're a Watchmen fan, you're well aware of Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons' take Mm -hmm. on the characters that they created, that they were lied to by DC Comics and told that they owned this, and ever since, all DC has done has just, like, squirted their characters all over bullshit and mm-hmm. cashed the checks. Like, before Watchmen. You missed that one, too, which was also... Before Watchmen before was a Watchmen, long series. HBO Watchmen, I don't give a fuck. You are ruining the legacy. So, but here, here is the one thing I will say. <laughs> I won't say. go that far. Yeah. I'll say, as a fan, that's, the, that's, like, the difficult crux of this, because I was such a big Watchmen fan that it is such a treat to, like, dip back into that world no matter how far detached it is from the original thing. Like, this book deals with the ethos and world of Watchmen, but is very far separated. I don't think we're giving you much of a spoiler here. Rorschach dies within the first few pages of the comic. Yeah, it's a book about Rorschach that doesn't have Rorschach in it. And part of me thinks that Tom King may have some sort of respect for these creators and these characters in a way to say, hey, I'm going to do something that's like a dream of mine to write in this world, but also at the same time make it separated. Because he's immediately drawn that line and said, we're moving into exploring characters who are no longer from the Watchmen universe by basing it on the murder of a character. Like our lead is a detective looking into the murder of Rorschach. So, yeah, but do you not believe that Tom King may be tiptoeing around the idea that Rorschach is more of an idea now, and people are co-opting that and using it as a vehicle yeah, to I, carry out things? I think Tom King's going to get political, obviously, in, in this, it, it seems. It faces around a presidential candidate. Yeah. One thing where I disagree with you a little bit is that the TV show The Watchmen may have been one of the best television shows ever created. I will agree with that. And so with the now retrospective idea of like, well, the book, the comic book was also one of, I mean, if not the most touted comic book in comic book history, we also have one of the best television shows ever, loosely connected, to be honest. When you watch the television show, like, yes, the characters are in it, but you absolutely do not have to read the Watchmen series to take anything from it. I him. honestly believe the Watchmen TV show is more closely tied to the comic than it is Anything. the Zack Snyder movie. Yeah. You oh, know what I mean? Oh, I, I I never even thought that the Zack Snyder movie was connected in okay. any way. So, yes. But then I think this comic book comes in an age of like, well, that show had a lot of popularity in what it did was like subvert all expectations but still create a strong narrative likable characters and comment on society i'm gonna do that and that's what this comic book did for me but did it need to do we need another warshot comic just a standalone no do we need to fucking anything captain america bullshit 20 batman lines no but, but like uh, but my, my thought but is you're need... turning the hbo show and just do a comic book no not here or not 
I feel like he's going to try to. He's going to try to make the same commentary and the same kind of l- line of. It could be similar the, commentary, sure. Sure, and like, no, le- maybe. let the HBO show do that. Well, it, here's where I also disagree with that because I think when you look at Tom King and what he's done, and we talk about his book with Vision endlessly, and that he made an unrelatable superhero a family guy and all about his family. I think he's going to do the same thing. He's. It seems like he's going to write a Rorschach book without Rorschach in it, which is like... Yeah, but, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. No, I think this is more refreshing than any other Watchmen comic that's ever been written. Besides Watchmen itself. Yes. Sure, yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear. Watchmen's the best Watchmen comic. Got it, okay. <laughs> I just and wanted to... everything else has been people trying to pay homage in this weird way by copying and pasting and doing the same old bullshit over and over again with the format like the nine panel grid and the yeah. the music quotes at the end of each like issue yada 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 this book didn't feel like a watchman comic did it feel like a watchman comic to you guys it felt like the TV show. As I'm saying is like, I think that, knock it if you will, but like when we talked to Kelly Thompson about writing Sabrina and her being aware that she needed to write Sabrina in a post-Netflix Sabrina world, yeah, she had to think, well, I got to bring something different here. Tom King has to write Rorschach in a post-HBO Watchmen world, and he's, I think that he's not necessarily bringing something different, but he's bringing something additive. I, I think the angle of with which this was created and written is definitely influenced by the concept that you can do something different with the Watchmen world. The, I guess that's where my conflict come from. Some DC exec was just like, holy shit, the HBO show is went off like gangbusters. Like, how can we profit off of this? It just seems muddied down. Like, Rorschach itself wasn't like a redeeming character that I want to learn more about anyway. He was until, like, recently people were like, oh, yeah, he's racist. <laughs> I think, I thought, anyway, that Rorschach was the character that everyone loved the most. Especially after the Zack Snyder movie. Absolutely. He was, like, the most mysterious, like, otherworldly. No one's ever looked as good in a fedora. I dare you to name another <laughs> Human, fictional, or real. <laughs> and a trench coat. The only cool guy that's ever worn a trench coat. Even Dick Tracy. I no, said I'm it. sorry. No Me in looked... 11th grade would disagree with you. But, okay, so, correct, correct, I'm not even, even going to say correct me if I'm wrong, because I know I'm wrong. Hasn't, like, some kind of, like, right-wing, pro-incel, vocel group just, like, co-opted the essence of Rorschach of just, like, he's doing what conservative right-wingers like would do i think like a a vigilante group like anonymous uses guy fox or v for vendetta as like their simple right yeah which i also have issue with sure it's not a direct translation sure vigilante conservative groups use the punisher like they don't i don't see a lot of like well i i imagery but the ideology is still there sure no well here this here's the thing is that while Rorschach is very cool, he's also conveyed to be, like, sort of a kook. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you don't idealize... He's like a tinfoil hat loon. Yeah. You're trapped in here with me. Yeah. 
But also, you're constantly questioning, does he know the truth? I yeah. think, anyway. At least the first time he def- I... He definitely I, is a tin hat. I read Watchmen, anyway. But, like, he's not the sort of character you look at and say, like, I want to be that guy. Homeless, crazy, everyone's doubting me. Whereas the Punisher, you look at, and he's, like, gun-wielding, machismo. Never ages. <laughs> great hairline. Like, that makes more sense that some group would co-opt that sort of thing. But in any case, that's something that, like, I didn't see in the character until more recently when you're starting to realize how common it is for just general America to not trust the news that's being reported right. or not trust science. QAnon is a, is a good comparison to Rorschach. Oh, right. thank you. Yeah. So, yeah. So there you have it. I think regardless, this comic book was enjoyable and good and a fun read. It, it, it was cool. The art was great. I just... Who who is this for? Tom King fans. Sure. What, is certain. it but is it for Watchmen fans? No. I think it's people who have a passing interest or knowledge in Watchmen and like Tom King's writing and are are DC heads. I see what you're saying. Like it's not like is is Rorschach the Deadpool of DC? No. Like who's a fan of Rorschach? Exactly. A lot of people, I think. How do you not read Watchmen as I think he's a kinda, teenager and I, not be like this is the fucking coolest guy in Watchmen. I think you did, but I think I think Rorschach is now kind of canceled. So I I don't think there's a lot of like like proud Rorschach fans. I think the perspective of modern day America adds that much more complexity and interest to the character. To, to uh, me, to ooh, me, I believe. Okay, I don't I don't Keep care going. if you agree with him or not. I mean, how forward thinking even to like in the '80s write a character like this that is even more relevant today than he was but then. I, but he dips into some of the like the racist stuff, which you can't... More relevant today than it was in the 1980s. Sure. So this is like but, Paul but, Blart but, 3. But he's a villain. Accidentally then. gets it right. You know, like he's an actual relatable villain. He's not necessarily a character that you identify with or like. Can I not still be heavily intrigued by him? Yeah. Like the Joker. Yeah. Like the Joker. Okay. Well, right. They also made Rorschach in this book a liberal... Yes. Conspiracy guy. Sure. He's not like a right wing nut job. No, he's just a nut job. And well, okay, he's a liberal nut job. <laughs> let's call let's call very, it what it is. Very specifically is a liberal nut job. Or at least that's what like that's the analysis on him. And maybe that's that's the whole political spectrum. Is is like you go far enough on one end, you're basically the other end of the spectrum anyway. I mean, that's interesting commentary to me if that's what it ends up being. There's a couple (laughs) crucial things that we have not discussed yet. Hit me. One, the presumed identity of our 2020 Rorschach happens to be the writer of the pirate comics featured in the original Watchmen storyline. Pontius Pirate. We've always wondered, like... I hated those, by the way. Did you not like those? Oh, they were cool. Ugh. I thought they were like brilliant. I didn't like them. I, you know what? I, I didn't like the like special feature DVD that came out with the Zack Snyder. I never watched that. that showed, but like, I know the they did Pontius like Pilot of Black Waters motion or comic yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. So I thought maybe we're gonna get an answer to some like Watchmen mythos that kind of got left unsaid. Yeah. I I think that's kind of cool. I think it's really cool. Um. In addition to that, our John Doe, who was Rorschach also has matching fingerprints to the original Rorschach. Awesome. 
1980s comic. And is dead now. And is apparently dead. How do their fingerprints match if Rorschach died? Time travel. In, what, 1985 or something? So mm, there's no. some there's some mystery and questions to be answered there that w- worth a read. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I have a really hard time rationalizing for myself why I wouldn't want to buy the next handful of issues. Now, you, Butcher King, you said time travel as a joke. <laughs> I did. Yeah, right. However, <laughs> Doomsday Clock kind of confirms. Well, and the TV show, I think, right? Well, the TV show is separate. Yeah. The Doomsday Clock. No longer, though. Kind of confirms that it's a, it's possible. Yes. Okay, so when Dr. Manhattan shows up mm-hmm. in this, mm-hmm. are you like, oh, I roll, now it's back to being just like a Watchmen thing? Or are you like... Yeah, I want no other Watchmen. You want no this. other Watchmen stuff. This is like fully separate. There's no acknowledgement of like... I'll take the comedian. All of a sudden, the world blows up. Here's another fun parallel. Can I take an over-under? Wait, I want to hear the par- parallel first. Okay, do that, and, I, and I, then I want an over-under. I love this. I, anything that we can sportify comics, I'm in. Um, the original Watchmen mm-hmm. also kills one of its main characters in the first issue, <laughs> like for, like immediately, right oh, yeah. away, right? Is it the comedian? Yeah, yeah the comedian. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was like a fun tip of the hat. Oh, give us the over-under. Over-under. The leading investigator on this book that we're currently reading, Rorschach Number 1 by Tom King. That is Dr. Manhattan. No. Okay. Over under. <laughs> That's my guess. I don't think so. Okay. I'm going to put the nay no on that one. All right. Well, you hear, you heard it here, folks, in this episode. Greg Lichtai successfully called out who Dr. Manhattan was in this book. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's us, the reader. <laughs> it's us, the reader. <laughs> the last page is like reflective. <laughs> it's a mirror. It's like, oh my God, I'm Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> I'm Dr. Manhattan. He's everything and everyone all at once. I'm president. <laughs> no matter when I look at this, I'm still Dr. Manhattan. You know where you can find us? <laughs> Wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there every week. Uh-huh. Social media, we know you have it. That's why we have them too. Yep. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Gmail. Many others. Patreon, even. Patreon. Does that count as social media? I think it does. Okay. But we're on there. Patreon.com slash First Issue Club. First Issue Club on any other social media. Content, content, content. So uh, uh, thank you again for, uh, for listening, and we'll talk to you and listen to you and uh, talk to you soon. This has been another episode of First Issue Club. We are a proud member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Our music is provided by Primary Color Music. We are recorded in KCUR Studios. You can find us, rate us, friend, and follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, and your favorite listening platforms at First Issue Club, F-I-R-S-T.